It's the Stranger Nerds back here with Season 2, Chapter 3, The Polywog. We have myself, Connor Vandermark, we have Mitchell Lee, Nick Izzo, and Tommy Grant. Gentlemen, uh, this was a interesting one, and uh, with the name of the chapter, uh, we mentioned this over last talk's episode, The Polywog. Uh, first thing I thought of with me and Izzo was the Pokemon Poliwhirl, and, or Polyrath 2 the evolution line of that and i was like oh tadpoles that'd be fun or the and, easiest yeah. one polywag who is the original one before he evolves to polyworld come on polyrath is polyrath is badass don't give but it Poly- a but polywag is literally a letter off from polywag i know but like i said the evolution line you know what i mean so is anyway. anybody depressed to not see a little blue polywag waddle onto screen it was still kind of cute <laughs> See, I, I, I was doing. Oh yeah, real cute. I right. was doing. I was doing cool things when I was nine. So, I had Pokemon Yellow, sir. You're talking I, about. I had Pokemon Yellow, and I was happy with it. Loved that game so much. Played you so were doing times. something cool. I knew you at nine. You were not doing anything cool. <laughs> uh, I was doing all the cool stuff when I wasn't with you. You were my uh, Dude, my charity cool. Racing, <laughs> racing Pokemon in the Pokemon. Pinewood Derby for the Boy Scouts is not considered cool. You take that back. See, that's again, that's the time I spent with you guys. That was my uh, work for charity. <laughs> that, that was oh, his off season when when he wasn't worried about sports. Yeah, exactly. When I was nine years old, not you know, <laughs> chain smoking cigarettes and yelling at the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I need, I need to see a picture of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we we burned them all. All right, we're going to dive right into this one. Um, to get things moving here, you know, because yeah, we have enough shots to talk on the other podcast. Yeah, for real. So, so we start off with Dustin bringing his little Ghostbusters trap in. First encounter with Dustin's mom, and it is a comical one. It's just like that awkward encounter where she knows there's probably something in there. He's trying to hide it, and they're both just bouncing around the bush of like, what's going on? I don't have anything in here. I'm going to go to my room now. And he dumps it into the little uh, turtle tank. He evicts the poor turtle, poor thing. You're the turtle. That's a Dr. Seuss thing. Is it? Yes, it is. Ah. That was was a book that my dad read me when I was younger. We had like a whole giant thick book of dr seuss books that we had and that was the first one yertle turtle built a, he literally builds a tower of turtles to heaven pretty much and it falls down interesting well that that's something i learned because i did not catch that i was more interested in uh dart's name is uh dartagnan for those of you who do not D'Artagnan. know dartagnan you uncult fuck all right we'll say wow, with the french okay. accent well, because it's a french name I was going to say all that, but... Uh, say it with a French accent, Mitchell. Because uh, you're not uh-huh, saying it right. Oh, D'Artagnan. There you go. It's <laughs> actually pretty good. Because <laughs> that is a... French book. So, if you didn't get the irony that he feeds Dart three Musketeers bars, that's why. It's a little, you know... Little play on word there. But did you know that, Mitchell? Yes. I don't think he did. Yes, I did. 
I'm always educating Nick. It's always a privilege. But so we see that little dart does not like the sun, does not like the heat. So that kind of gives you a little play of what did we originally think it was when we saw it? Other than just the uh, fake. Didn't Connor and Nick Pokemon. give predictions on that or am I tripping there? We well, we did. didn't see it last episode. Yeah. Sort of did. I mean, we predicted what it would be. I don't think we exactly knew. Well, it, once I, I, we, I... We did make predictions on it. Um, but once I... Like, off the air, uh, after I read the, chap, the episode name, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, it's going to be a tadpole. Yeah. Uh, it kind of just clicked in that in- instance. Like, but one it, thing is, like, realizing... Like, the like, first time we actually got to see Little Dart and what it was. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what your initial yeah. reaction to seeing Dart was. But anyway, so we get a little interaction with uh, Dustin bonding with his new pet. And then we quickly move over to Steve and Nancy having uh, some more drama. And I'm sure Mitchell was not happy with this interaction between Steve and Nancy. What do you mean? I was thrilled. You were thrilled? Yes. Because oh. right now... Because here's the thing, I am I team, I am team I Steve, as far as blame. Nancy goes. Hold on, Connor. Oh, let, let Mitchell explain himself. Let, let let me let me draw my outline right here. Okay, as far as Steve, <laughs> as far as Nancy goes, and as far as the draw love tri- triangle goes, draw your triangle. Connor, will you, damn it, Connor, let me finish. Draw. <laughs> Steve, Nancy, damn it, Connor, you're messing me up. Nancy, Point as far one as Nancy Connor. goes. As far as Nancy goes, Steve is the right call. As far as Steve goes, somebody else. Figure it out. Because Nancy is not in her... It's not working right now. And the whole... First of all, she should have been hung over. She showed up at school the next day like everything was all good. And I'm like, hmm... Why aren't you hungover? Thank why, you for mentioning you know, that. Why are you not That's asking for a Tylenol or an ibuprofen or throwing up in the bathroom? Something. Um, not even sunglasses. Should be hungover. But Steve earned the right to say, hey, Nancy, um, so that stuff that you said, I'm not cool with that. And, uh, yeah, no, I didn't take you home. That was Jonathan that did that. So, uh... I'm going to go play basketball and, uh, you know, get dunked on by this probably guy that's hitting on me but kind of bullying me at the same time. You know, I had that whole 80s Top Gun, we're straight but not really vibe going on to it with the uh, the basketball game. It was kind of similar to the volleyball game in Top Gun where it's like, all right, yeah. There is no comparison. Do not compare those two scenes. But I'm going to stop you right there, Mitchell. Connor, you have 60 seconds for your rebuttal. <laughs> I am with – no, I was not trying to rebuttal. I'm saying, yes, I am. I agree with you, but I'm going to turn on his head a little bit. I'm team anti-Nancy. Like, she still. is yeah. – At the I, moment. Honestly, I, I, I still – no, still anti-Nancy because I think that she keeps doing the wrong thing and she is – like, it's a situation where Steve's actually trying to – do it in the best interest of her and now and she's becoming more of a i guess re- rebellious phase it's not really the right word because the fact that she is going through like her own trauma and crap but like 
know, therapy doesn't really exist in the 80s. So it it's is like a... it's like and, you know, tease of things to come. Um, at some point, I will be reviewing the Twilight movies in the next few years, probably. But at, in those movies, it is very much like. Yeah, Team Edward, Team Jacob, just Team Not Bella. There's got to be other women in this town, right? Like exactly. that's the that's the way. And I don't, mm-hmm. I, I promise it's not an anti-woman thing. It's just a with Nancy. It's like Na- Na- Nancy needs to go find herself. Na- Nancy needs to figure <laughs> out who who is Nancy. You know? Yes. What does yes. What Com- does Nancy Na- want? Exactly. Well, you see, Mitchell. Nancy didn't have life coach Mitchell to stand behind her and help nah. her realize yeah. this. No, because her, because her dad's basically a two by four, non-existent. <laughs> Honey, can you change the TV or like it, it just non-existent? I, okay, I'm gonna throw a very uh, ninety-two thousand kid reference, but it's Plank from um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Eddie. That yeah. is a that is a better yeah. father than yeah. her father. <laughs> just draw some googly eyes on this guy and. That's what you got there for a dad. So I'm not surprised that Nancy... Hey, as far as Nancy's dad goes, this was the, one of the more positive outcomes of of what things could happen. Yes. You know what? And you know what? I'm going to give a little extra point to Jonathan because Jonathan even says to Nancy that, hey, Steve asked him to take her home. He covered for Steve. He made him look like a better guy. He, Nancy thought she that he just abandoned her at the party. Jonathan was a bro. He stepped up for Steve. So point for Jonathan. Yeah, and, he, and even said that he was wor- he was very worried about her still. And yeah. and you can still you can still see like he Steve is still worried, but like you're not even apologizing for what you said. Like you're yep. just making he's, excuses for it. He has been well. Steve's got his own again. He's got. Uh, he's fighting whole, immaturity. The, at this point. No, Steve's fighting shit. Am I gay? That that's what he's fighting right now with uh with him and Iceman. I mean, whatever the hell his name is. Billy. Um Billy, yeah. But between that thing going on and and Jonathan is doing the right thing and he's a lot more low key so far. He's just kind of letting everything come to him as opposed to the whole panicked which makes sense because his brother was missing. He would be a lot more panicked in season one than he is in season two. So I I am more on Jonathan's side right now than I have been in the past. But right now, I think the love triangle is, hey, all the angles just need to separate and, you know, figure out what what each side is doing and And, who they are. And there's also a bit of a like a trauma bonding between Jonathan and Nancy because of the the shit that they went That's purely what their relationship is at this point. It's a a trauma trauma bonding bonding relationship. Yeah. So. And because you know what, every time they hang out, it instantly goes back to how can we figure out how to take down the government? How can we help Barb's family? And that's what we get to next is they're hanging out, and Nancy instantly is just like she sees a kid with like a recording tape, and all of a sudden gets this like bright idea of like, hey Jonathan, you want to skip class and go do some bad shit with me? And Jonathan, of course, willingly agrees to go with her. And they have a stupid idea of calling Barb's mom to set up a meeting with Hawkins Lab listening in because, you know, do we think this was intentional? Do you think Nancy thought it was going to be a recorded call? What would you guys think? 
What did you think her plan was at this point? To me, I just think she was just being dumb. Uh, that's how yeah. I re- it, it, that's originally played it off <laughs> to me, guys. I was like, what What are you yeah. doing? What was What was Nancy's plan? And my answer is, she had a plan. I at this point it's in the episode, I wasn't sure. So. Yeah. I wasn't sure, and I still am not sure if if she had the thought that hey, maybe they are still listening in on the calls when she made that phone call. Mm-hmm. But part of me thinks she knew because. This- isn't Barb the is the only oddball character because the public still doesn't know. The public doesn't have a confirmation of if she's there's no body, so the government's still trying to actively cover this up. So and, I'm sure and, all the phones are tapped. Yeah, and I bet Hopper gave him the lowdown to him, like, "Yeah, don't talk this ever over the phone." Yeah, like, don't even mention it because they're always listening. We, you know, call back to a previous episode that Tommy and I did. That whole kind of Spielbergian, no one is smarter than the kids thing, and no one is dumber than the teenagers. The kind of yeah. preteen kids have a good idea what's going on. The teenagers have other stuff that's going to kind of, you know, dilute their ju- their good judgment, I guess. And uh, you, you do. There you go. Um, so you, you you get a good bit of that in in this this is not the strongest part of the uh the Nancy Wheeler character arc. If you like good choices. That's fair. So to move on from there, we go to uh Joyce and Bob. They don't really have a big role in this episode either. We're kind of going in order of kind of importance at this point. Um but Bob brings up to Joyce the fact that his camera was dinged up on it and he was watching the recording and saw those kids picking on Will. So I thought it was kind of sweet seeing Bob being so concerned about Will. And it's kind of something we see over the next couple episodes too, is like how Bob actively is trying to be a father to Will, even though she's, he's just simply dating Joyce at this point. There's no Bob's the best. I don't think there's anything serious going on, but Bob's definitely taking his role seriously, and I love it because, you know, who wouldn't want Samwise Gamgee as their dad? It's true. That's a great point. Well, he's uh, also... I mean, I like, like the dad I have, but, you know, yeah, you make a good point. <laughs> like, the one thing that, I guess, you know, things are different back in the 80s, like, I'm just like the marriage and stuff. Like, for example, my parents, what, they were... They get engaged after nine months, so like, and that they were young, but like, I know these these guys they're older, but like, it definitely it does feel like it's always been a year, and like how fast at least Bob sees them as like, oh, let's move somewhere. You mentioned that at the end of the last episode, yeah. yeah. Um, like, like he sees a future, and that he wants to be in the boys' lives, and and it's definitely a foil to their actual father. I can't remember the guy's name, um, rightfully so. And because of that, like he actually wants to put the effort in and actually make memories with them and, and do things where, no, he, he's trying, he's trying to be like, Oh, I'm the fun dad in a way. But at the same time, like he's, he's willing to make himself vulnerable for others. Like, no, uh, he made, he had the story to, uh, with Will on the drive over to school, like, Hey, no, I had nightmares. No, this is what I had to deal with with this crazy clown. Um, and 
like this, like, you know, I kept running, but I eventually I stood up. And once I stood up for myself, the clown went away. And obviously we'll get to later on, but it made an impact on Will. Yep. It I'm trying to did. find that guy's name because. What guy? The useless father. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm blanking on it now. Why do I feel like it rhymes? You with mean Mike, Mike's dad or. No, it Will doesn't Dern. rhyme with do. It doesn't rhyme with doofus. It's Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie does not Lonnie. rhyme with doofy. Okay. Um, <laughs> hold on. So was that actually, so, uh, so actually was that it reference? You said in the show doc here, I, I didn't pick that up. I never I, watched it. It wasn't a direct reference, but Bob did mention that he grew up in Maine, which I think in last episode he mentioned it, but Maine. Tommy, it, Tommy, it, Tommy. What? You. You are doing a great job of picking up on this stuff because that one I did not pick up. I picked up I on the reference of, it, but that, him being from Maine. Ah, yeah, Tommy. he did make that's now, that's who he wants to go to. The, now the goaded keep, one. Now, now keep going with that, Mitchell. What does that also imply for Stephen King fans? Well, yeah, every Maine is where... goddamn thing that Stephen King writes takes place in Maine. Yeah. Which is where I'm getting the it reference for Connor, who's just looking blank faced. Well, not the shine. Again, <laughs> I, I I'm not a, a huge Stephen King fan. I think he, he I never really. So so the the infamous like kind of trope with Stephen King novels is they all take place in Maine, um, and it being a very infamous novel that Stephen King wrote also takes place in a town called Derry, which Derry, is in Maine. Maine. Yep. So I think. By him saying it was a clown when he was a kid, I'm assuming that's an it reference, but it wasn't a direct reference. And fun fact, at least to me, this season came out in October of 2017. And the first it movie came out in September of 2017. So there was a good chance that it was still in theaters when this came out. So you could kind of do like a, a weird like. Just that was a good movie. Vibe. Oh, it was a fantastic movie. But anywho, okay. Go so see something like that. Steve, it's a we're going to bring you into no. a horror trip one day. I I can't wait. I will but never it, talk to have you, to be any an of you ever again. I am so it will serious. Be, <laughs> don't even do that. I'll hold your hand through the whole experience, so you don't have to wait, get what? scared. No. no. Wait, what is we'll this? Keep, we'll get you through this. We will get don't you through it. Find me there. <laughs> what what are you doing? Watching horror movie. Nick Nick oh, is horrified Nick just, of horror movies. See, I thought that uh, I would be, and I I jumped no? into the deep end. My first horror That's movie false. was uh, the well, Evil what, Dead what, remake. Uh, I, I was talking about the clowns. Oh, you're horrified of clowns. My apologies. Oh, okay. But even well, still, we're gonna get you to watch it. Don't blame no. you. I hate clowns too. No clown, clown, no. It'll be a team bonding experience. We'll watch. I'm going to part I'm one going and two. To show up in full clown makeup to the next podcast. Great, I, I won't be there. <laughs> I will. Re- <laughs> will be there. I'll remove you off the recording. I just say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking at that. So, to get the idea of clowns out of your brains, the one important aspect of this scene as well is. Um, while Bob drives Will to school, Joyce is at home looking at the tape and she actually sees in like kind of the fizzing of 
the recording, he, she sees the image that matches up with the same thing that Will has been drawing over and over, saying, oh, it's nothing. So now she's putting it together of, oh, shit, he's actually seeing this thing. It's not just he's been lying to me this whole time. So that's definitely something important because now Joyce is going back to the who do I talk to about this now? So we're going to definitely see her struggle and figure out how she's going to confront Will over, hey, you've been lying to me about the fact that you're seeing shit and your episodes are getting worse. So that's definitely important to look at. Um, Did you catch too you- how annoyed everybody was too when Joyce was calling? Yeah, oh. like oh, it's her again. Like, part of jo- me was Joyce like, "Geez, like she thought like her son died. Like, give her some slack." But then I'm like, eh, "She probably did call like thirty times a day every jo- day." Like, I can see why. Joyce's Joyce's paranoia has just kind of driven the whole town crazy, and it also it's doesn't different. help that nobody else in the town knows why she's so paranoid. Yeah, which yeah. definitely doesn't help Joyce's fact, at least, because they're probably like, oh, Hopper's not in right now. We'll leave a message and probably don't even pass the message on the Hopper. So she's probably calling so many times and no messages are being taken down because no one's taking her seriously at this point. She She's the boy who called Wolf. Like anything that happens, it's an issue. So switching over to more important characters in this episode, we get a little more backstory with Eleven and hopper's relationship which is definitely an interesting one because they're trying to build a father-daughter relationship out of the two of them but it's more it turns more into a hopper's a security guard for 11 in some points and not a dad figure and we see the conflict over and over with the flashbacks where it started off nice they're peaceful and calm, relaxed. But over time, as Eleven's been trapped in that house or cabin for longer and longer, it's just, it's like a ticking time bomb of just emotion right to explode. And we see that when she starts smashing plates and cursing at Hopper and just storming off into her room. And I, it's just, it makes you look bad on Hopper a little bit. As much as I love Hopper, he just doesn't know how to handle a teenage girl who doesn't know how to handle her emotions well and has powers to use. So that's been a very interesting relationship to look at in this episode. When I saw this, as I, I have it on my notes on my phone, um, two things. Well, first, talking about the actual relationship, it's very much Hopper trying, the phrase is uh, trying to have your cake and eat it too. Where yeah. he he wants to have because he he himself has trauma over um, his own daughter dying and he wants to be the father figure for her you know trying to be the nice dad and everything, but at the same time he also is conflicted with this other part where she is literally in danger anytime she's outside this cabin. I can't have her do that, especially you know other people knowing that she still exists, and no, it's definitely a. Uh, definitely a situation where you know he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place in, in, a, in a way where you know he wants to fill the void of oh i have a daughter again but at the same time this daughter is wanted by anyone because they think she's a russian spy who is actually a super weapon and 
all that crazy crap. Um, and another comment that I liked that was uh, very funny because I, I use the uh, when I when I used to coach travel hockey for my 12 and 16 year olds, one thing I used to always tell them, I had I always laughed when I heard it, it was like the the don't be stupid rules because I had the same exact thing, not even seeing the show. <laughs> I, my my one rule to my kids was like, guys, don't be stupid. If I think it's stupid, it's probably stupid. Don't be stupid. And it usually worked. No, I have one or two that always work. No, the uh, I get the the way to put it, the troublemakers of the group. But at the same time, like it got it usually got through. And I thought it was very funny. Like he gave that kind of same speech to L. Like here's the rules. Don't be stupid. Don't break them. Gotta love, gotta love. Don't be stupid rules. We have them for a reason, and we always break them. Uh, and I, thought the, we, I, I thought the montage was very nice too, with them uh, doing the cleanup. The yes. Great music choice, great music choice in that one. Yeah, and it shows you know kind of the corny, fun dad character that Hopper was trying to be, mm-hmm. and how it's evolved into more of the, I'm here to protect you. I don't care what you have to say. You're staying here. And the guilt trip, and the guilt tripping too, of like, yes. oh, I had these nice candy elf waffles ready for you. I'm <laughs> like, oh my god, like, I, it, it just it reminded me of Elf. Yeah, at that yeah, point. yeah, I was, I was like, like he, he's on the, the Will Ferrell Elf. I diet. just watched that like two days ago too, so yeah, I get that. So it was definitely a, I was like, oh, that actually kind of looks good, but. We see Eleven break the don't be stupid rule, and she leaves the cabin without her little ghost disguise either. She just goes out. She so didn't she just, just break to... the don't be stupid rule. She just decided, you she know gave, what? She gave it the middle finger. I don't want to just break the rule. I want to become the reason the rule exists and just went out and yeah, started having enough. conversations with people, and it was stupid. That, yes, that that scene pissed me off so much. Like you know, you just, you're not supposed to be doing this. What do you? What what can you gain well, out of this? The thing that bothers me the most with that scene is we know Eleven has the powers and abilities to locate anyone in the world at any point in time. She knows who Mike is. All she has to do is use her powers to find where Mike is. She knows he's at the school, which she has also been to before in season one at the very end they were there she knows where it is why did you walk up to some random woman and her child and say school where is school like what the fuck are you doing just sit there use your powers find him and go and go incognito and go to him why would you have to go up to some random people i don't get it my only argument thinking about that now is that she was coming from the cabin as opposed to Mike's basement. So True. my guess would be but... her her current surrounding, her specific surrounding at that moment. She just, I guess, didn't know where she was. I don't know. That's the the mental map. No, yeah. I, I, that's, that's how I kind of, that's how I took it as well. It was like her mental map was... I know how to get to Mike's house. Yeah, Mike's house at school, but okay. I, I, don't, I, I don't know this town. Counterpoint to that. 
season one, she leads the party to Will's house to find Will. She had never been there before. She's also been in the cabin for almost a year by herself going stir crazy. She could have used her powers to find Mike. Maybe she can echolocate like a dolphin. (laughs) Can't rule it out at this point, you know? I I, I I mean, she got powers. So so are you just anticipating one day just seeing Eleven just open her mouth and just do a funny dolphin noise and just echolocate? I tell you what, the day that that happens, I will give that episode a fucking ten because that will <laughs> that will make me laugh so much that I will have to give it a ten. It's no spoiler, but I'm disappointed that doesn't happen in the show yet. Season five, tragic. Call the writers, make it happen. But anyway, so we see Hopper go out to the uh, local pumpkin patches to continue the investigation on the pumpkin serial killer as Nick calls him and they start taking samples and he kind of realizes what's going on and calls Dr. Owens and basically says, Hey, this is all stemming from the lab. Look into this shit. And which is right after he gets a call about some girl who saw basically saw eleven and Hopper knows exactly what happened and has to storm off again. But well, it was an interesting interaction between him and Dr. Owens of Hopper kind of putting the ball into Dr. Owens' court of you need to figure this shit out. And that radio call came at the wrong time. Like yes. you had to be right next to him, like, oh, uh-huh. Russian girl. And, and, and <laughs> Owens like, ooh. And and Hopper knew it too. He was like, I just gave away like all my cards. And that was probably also the reason he rushed a little bit faster to his car. Yeah. You're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> but so uh, that that was kind of a little Hopper interaction. We didn't really get much of him in this episode either. But we'll definitely see him and Dr. Owens probably interact more throughout the season because it's been an interesting interaction between the two of them kind of powerhousing it throughout this episode. Now we switch back to the party for the remainder of the episode because Dustin is just fully intrigued into what the hell Dart is. And he just still hasn't figured out that it's just a, you know, little monster from the upside down probably because it's probably what will spit out last episode or two episodes ago. That's what I'm still convinced is where it came from. But Dustin's at the library using his excuse of I'm on a curiosity voyage to try and get more books out of the library. Steals the books. Steals the books like a true champ. <laughs> that makes me that seems it makes me laugh every time. Like Dustin is the perfect comedic relief for this show. Until we until we meet Murray, which I can't wait for you guys to meet Murray because he's definitely the other big comic relief for this season, but we'll get there soon. But Dustin just his lines are perfect in the show. He he executes them perfectly. But Lucas then tells Max a fictionalized version of what happened to Will because Max is still trying to pry and Lucas is the only one that seems to talk to her and he's being smart and not telling her anything, but I'm almost curious 
if he's doing it to protect her or if he doesn't want to piss off the party. Because at this point, I feel like one of them could have slipped up and told her just a tiny bit of information, but they're just, they're all keeping their lips sealed. Like, I think, well, I think I think Lucas is trying to play both sides. Of course, he likes Max. And the, uh, but like, it's very funny. It's nice to see this too, having like the outside perspective of like Max who just came to school. I'm like, like, so what's the deal with Will? And it's like, well, like I was like, why they call him a zombie boy? Like I was like, oh well, he uh, they, they said he died. Like it was like it was only gone a week, and I was like, they did a funeral for funeral for him. He's like, what? Like it's only gone a week. Like it's like yeah, was, no, we thought he died. Is that there's a there's a body that was found, and she's like, the hell happened here last year? Like this is wild. <laughs> it's it's Man. a good sound story to tell the new people. Oh yeah, tell yeah, me yes, but it's, like it's nice to have the character of Max because. Yeah, if you just kind of ran it back with all the same people, you got someone just going, what What the hell am I walking into? What am I getting into? And she is such on a completely different side of things than Billy is. Because Billy yeah. just walks in like, hey, this town's my bitch. I'm going to, hey, I'll leave some women for you, Steve. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and now Max is coming in like any of us would. Like, what the hell is this place and what happens to people here? Yeah. So, so after that, we get the party in science class with Mr. Clark, and he's giving them a lecture about the story of uh, Phineas Gage, who had a rod basically shoved through his brain and survived. And the only important part of the scene it was an is accident, it, Tommy. He wasn't in a Saw movie. Hey, you don't know what happened. You weren't there. I learned about it in psychology class. And you know what? History is always changed and always kind of a slurred point of view. We don't know what actually happened. You're right. But, you have a good point. If you go to a school in Florida, you might, you know, find out that you know a a, a Ford Focus was the uh, first president in the United States. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, the whole the whole importance behind that lecture is kind of a. Um, discussion about how the personality was changed after that and we're obviously looking at will who has some sort of entity in his head or some sort of trauma in his head but will's personality has changed since he has come back from the upside down and it's kind of a foreshadowing of what's to come for will kind of scene which i thought was very it was very well done it was kind of Hey, this is what's going on, but you didn't need to have a whole conversation of some person just doing dialogue to explain it. He, it was kind of a, it served the purpose of the scene, show the kids in class. You have Dustin barging in, being that obnoxious kid that always, there was always that one kid in class who just had to be loud and obnoxious when they came in late, as if like the world revolved around them. It's just like, shut the fuck up, come in and sit down. And Dustin oh. kind of does that. Before we go any right. further, I, I want to go back to the brain thing. Is no, if you recall back to the first season, he had a thing up his nose that it was up his nose, right? Where that he that um, Hopper pulled out from him it was in his mouth or something. Uh, I think it was the throat. It was it was somewhere where he was, he had to pull that whole thing out of him. I'm pretty sure it was. it was the throat because we made the clown joke of the non-ending handkerchief. 
Yeah, but still, like, that thing was in him, like, and when it comes to, like, medical research, especially when it comes to the brain, like, best being around, like, the 1900s, where the best information on how the brain worked back then is understanding people who had brain damage and the effect that that brain damage did. So, like, if you were brain damaged, or in this case, when it comes to Phineas Gage, it was a certain location in the brain, I forget the exact spot, but, like, because it was an effect on that location in the brain we actually start realizing, oh, this part of the brain controls this, this type of function or emotion. Yeah. So a science lesson over? Yes. <laughs> I am a uh, scientist here, so. I know. I, 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 I enjoy a little science lesson. We learn something new every day. But, so we get Dustin coming in. He tells them all, meet at the AV club after class. And they have a whole debate over what the hell Dart is. Max, of course, is excluded from the conversation because she's not part of the party and isn't allowed to see it. No, she and was there. Was she there? That's it. I thought she, she was. She was there because it, it went to her hands first. Like, oh, it's slimy, and then oh, that's Max, right. Yeah, she was there for see what Dart was. What what was different was when after they saw Dart, Will made the connections like. Uh, I think I spit that thing out of my mouth. That's right. Yeah, and then he just tells us that Mike. Mike's like Mike took the initiative. Like, oh shit, we're he's about to show someone who has no clue what's going on. And uh, Mr. Uh, Clark, and Mr. Clark, and who, it was like who Dustin was very very adamant about. This is my discovery, not yours. Yes, I he, was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't. I don't. Hey, that happens in academia, so like I don't blame him. And. Especially like even now it still happens. And yeah, like and Mike coming in is like just barging in and grabbing it and like we're going now, just yells it and just like takes initiative, like we we need like this could be serious stuff. And then that's when the whole behind locked door talk happens. It, I, I always find it comical with the party and how terrible they are at being discreet. When something bad happens, it's just instantly like we need to go now. Not like, hey, let's come up with some like awkward little thing of, hey, we have this to go to. It's no, come in, be loud and obnoxious. Say, hey, we need to go. Something bad's about to happen. Leaving the adults completely clueless is like, are these kids insane or something actually of concern? And you always notice how none of the adults ever follow up of, hey, is something wrong? It's just, yeah. oh, just kids being kids. Off yeah, they go. They are so oblivious. But the thing is, like, that's, that's I don't bad. blame Mike goes out because I don't yeah. blame Mike because like the seriousness of like, oh crap, we're dealing with the upside down again, like, no bueno. Yeah. So after that, we have we kind of see the party split at this point because this is where they go have the second meeting without Max, and Lucas and Mike want to take Dart to Hopper. And Dustin does not want that because he thinks Hopper's just going to kill it, which most likely is true. Um, so the next thing you know, Max breaks in after Mike attacks it, and Dart escapes, and there's a whole chase throughout the school. Hold on. It sprouted two legs first. It did sprout two legs. So it started its ev evolution into Polyworld. We just didn't get to see its full evolution yet. Yes, it's true. <laughs> And that's where we kind of see a bunch of chaos just kind of occur where they're just kind of running all over the school looking for Dart. 
and eventually Dustin finds it and No, Will finds it. Will yeah, Will finds it in the Will finds it, radios it in and no, let's see guys, let's the group know like, hey, he's in this bathroom next to his teacher's teacher's uh room. And then uh what it did it make a sound at him and they did he started running and that's then that's when the vision started happening for him. Yeah. Um, but before that happened, we had an interaction with Mike and Max. That's right, with Max. Which I know you were looking forward to talking about because for those non-D&Ders out there, Mitchell, I'm looking at you, we get a little bit of a breakdown of the different classes in D&D because Max was trying to ask Mike, like, hey, why am I not allowed your party? And Mike is the explanation of, like, our party's full. All of the roles are filled. We don't have anything for you. Not a we don't want you. It's we don't have room for you. And then the first mention of eleven comes up to Max. It's like who yes. the hell's L? Who, who? Well, not eleven, but L. It's like who is yeah, L? Yeah, Mike. Mike dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, and um, yeah, and like I was very much a situation. Max was like, who is this other person? And then, um, I guess we'll get into it in a second. I uh, well, I talk about it now. We we'll get to the classes in a second. Yeah. Yeah, um, then then the L found the school finally. And then saw uh, Mike and, and Max together, and oh man, she got jealous. Holy! <laughs> I, I was surprised it wasn't worse because the look on Eleven's face was just pure betrayal and hatred. And, and Max, you see, the, you see the little head snap, and I was like, "Oh, did she like break Max's leg or something?" But no, she didn't do that. I was, I was and- kind of surprised she didn't. Max made eye contact with L, correct? Because I think it was implied, but I want to confirm that was my thought. I, I don't think so. I don't think because so. Either. I feel like if yeah. she did, I feel like she would have said to Mike, like, hey, who the hell is that? Or is that 11? Because to me, right right in that scene, it looked like there was a spot where Max was on her board, snow bullshitting with Mike, like kind of like, no, joshing with him. And she turns and Max sees her through the door. And then, no, she's still going around. And then that's when Elle did the, you know, the board rip out from underneath her. But like, I don't, yeah. I, I think it was a situation like Max is like, oh, who the hell is this weird girl watching us? Not knowing that's Elle. It was more so like, because, no, of course she's out and about. And like, no, of course, no one really knows her existence or uh, other than the family now, the mom and daughter. But like, no, like, it's kind of a situation where like, like, oh, I never seen her before, and she happened to be there. Like, oh, I might have been seeing things or something, but I'm assuming when L comes back up again, and I'm just, you know, with the assumption that she's going to meet meet up with the group. Max is like, oh, you're that person that I saw in the gymnasium, and no, definitely a little more. There be some tension in there. So, all right. Um, anything else before I talked about classes for a quick few minutes? Nope. Or Drop it. Cool. Um. So this is the first time we actually got actual official classes for each character other than Will. Um, even Will, he said he was a wizard in the last season, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, we had Mike, who's the paladin. Will, who's a cleric. Dustin, bard. Lucas, ranger. And L is the mage. Um, so paladins are classes that are very protected. Um, I play more Pathfinder these days. We're more known as champions. They're usually a, a uh, kind of a warrior who takes part of a deity um generally speaking good but you can have evil paladins as well um but they kind of are the 
quote unquote knight in shining army, the tenants of good who try to bring out goodness to the world, either through um, following the law or redemption or any of that, those kind of narratives that you want to go off of. Um, you have clerics who are pretty much priests in a way. Um, they, they can be they different types of clerics, war clerics, uh, light clerics, so on and so forth. Um, pretty much more healing kind of casters. Um, they are someone who is bound by faith, but more on the spell casting side of things. And then you have Dustin, who's the bard, which makes complete sense to me. And it's it's nice how like the character lines up to um, the personalities of them. Um, so Dustin's bards are very much musical themed or even artistic, uh, very much goofing around um, and more of a lighthearted character. Uh, Rangers, uh, which is Lucas, are more woodsmen, like the hunt. Um, they could be very crafty, um, even could be more roguelike, stealing things or um, rogues are more... I'm not even sure they're classic back in the older D and D games, but like they're very much more craftier and uh, more in tune with nature in that instance. And then, of course, mages are magic, magic uh, based. Um, different type of mages. You have warlocks who are more seek to a patron, kind of like paladins are in a way. Um, wizards who are more learn from the books, and then you have sorcerers who are more innate. And I would say Elle will fit more the sorcerer domain because it is an innate ability and she doesn't learn her magic through um, a um, through books or anything like that. It's more like, oh, it was just, this is who I am. Um, and then when it comes to Max, which kind of funny how Mike put it, like Max, like, oh, Mike's, Mike's like, oh, we don't have any more room for your party. Like, he's like, there's no way you can fit in. But as someone who does play these kind of kind of games, like I can definitely see Max as more like a frontline like fighter slash monk in a way where you have someone who is because you have someone helping out in the front lines, you know, drawing away attacks from your spellcasters and or your healers, in that case it'd be Will as a cleric. And definitely more of in your face kind of situations. And I can Max definitely kind of pegs that to me, which I think she could definitely fit in quote unquote as the party dynamic uh, um, for that. So yeah, I thought it was very interesting how like each party member has a associated class that does fit with them very well. Um, I'm not sure yeah. with Will yet, with Cleric yet, but because obviously he's currently going through and having visions and stuff. So I want to see how that goes with. But I, everything I think else... we'll definitely come back to that after the end of the season to kind of touch base on what their characters actually came out to do in terms of what their actual role was. Mm -hmm. So I think we can revisit at the end of the season to kind of look back and say, were these roles accurate for what their characters did? Because we definitely, I can definitely see some comparisons to their D and D characters versus themselves. But I think we should definitely start wrapping up the episode. Yep. With the final scenes where Joyce calls to talk to Mr. Clark and finds out that I think it was AV Club is what they were she was asking mm -hmm. about, but AV Club was canceled or it didn't happen. So Joyce immediately goes into panic mode and just fucking flies to go find Will. And we see Will outside facing the shadow monster and taking Bob's advice, decides to turn and face it 
which I think was a foolish move. I think he should have just kept running, but I think it was ine- inevitable at this point. But the shadow monster finally gets him, and we end the episode of the monster just attacking Will. One more thing, too. Dustin and... take Dustin hides the yes. hide start as well. Dustin will get take start, puts in his hat, and brings him home. Yes. So that that is the end of this episode. So what I originally said was definitely a filler episode. It was a good episode, but I want to jump right into the ratings while we discuss this. But I think I would give it a 7.5 only because it felt too much like a filler episode to me. Not anything really important with the exception of the final couple scenes. It was just more backstory. Um, nothing critical happened. We just got more backstory on Eleven and Hopper's relationship. More relationship drama with the love triangle. More relationship building with um, Bob and Joyce. We see a little bit more, I guess, inner conflict happening with the party in terms of Dart and Will and how to handle it. And how to handle the information with Max. But outside of the relationship building, nothing happened in this episode that was critical. So 7.5 and my Mitchell score. I'm going to say a 6.2. All right. 6.224? You think I'm going uh, the three decimals? No, no, just two four. Six point, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'll go. Um, I thought it was good. I, I just, if you've been listening to our podcast, I usually uh, rate higher and I definitely follow along that side again. Um, like I rate higher than everybody else, but I'm still in the line of what I think. Um, I gave it an 8.2. I thought it was very good. Um, first again, filler, but like, I like the stuff that's going on. Like I thought there was a lot of intrigue and no, is it an exciting episode? Some would, I guess, you guys for, say for a first really, time but... watcher, I can understand why it's more intrigue, but it's one of those after you've seen it a few times, this is definitely an episode. It's like, ah, I can mm-hmm. just skip this one, like, it, nothing important happens. Yeah, I can know, I can definitely understand that. So, but uh, I'm again very much enjoying it. I, I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was much better than and last that's a good week, thing, but like, I was definitely, I am intrigued overall. Um, for Mitchell's score, I will give it, um, uh, 6.56. Oh, both of the sixes for him. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat as you, Tommy. This episode definitely was a filler for me. Nothing really stood out. It just was a very relationship-building heavy episode. Um, so I, I would really... I'm giving it a, a flat seven. It wasn't bad. I didn't think it was, you know, particularly all that great, but um, it kept my interest enough for me to be like, yeah, it was okay. Okay. Would you say you were displeased with the progression of the story? <laughs> uh, not displeased because <laughs> I know that filler episodes have to happen, but yeah, you know, I was just like, I, uh, I guess this I filler was not was to happen. my. Didn't take to my liking. liking very much. I am. I am it, didn't, it didn't tantalize Nicholas me. Nicholas F. Izzo. Oh. 
didn't it didn't tickle my fancy. Was it, was it grape? Price. Was it grape, not <laughs> apple? Was it or, what? Oh, pie fillings? Pie fillings? No, grape grape filling versus apple filling. What the hell are you saying? I, <laughs> I really don't know what you're talking. Talking, about. I'm, I'm th- talking I'm to me. Of, talking about fillings? No, not not as flavorful oh. fillings. Ah, I see. So, it was stupid, but I see it. Yeah, it, guess what? It happens. Deal with it. <laughs> it's so staying in. Flat seven. What's your uh, Mitchell rating, Izzo? Oh, that's right. Uh, my Mitchell rating is going to be seven point two two. All right, Mitchell, relieve really, really please. So. My grade for this episode, you guys are usually very on point with this. Not this week. Not this week. Oh. This week, I, I give it a 7.86. Wow. You that's, really that's, the, uh, that's the grade that I went with. I, I, I thought it was enjoyable. I, I definitely think it's a step up from last week. Uh, favorite episode of the season thus far. I I, I, I can definitely see what things are building towards. But it, it, it still wasn't we're, – we're not quite where we were at season one, where every episode I gave an 8.2 or higher, we have yet to cross that eight threshold for season two. So I'm hopeful. I, I, I trust the, the, the makers of the series. And obviously I've been down this road before, and I know that season two is my least favorite one. But – uh, as someone who's going through and kind of, you know, it's been a long time since I've watched. It's been six years since I've seen season two. And I remember things kind of turning around a little bit and getting more invested by the end. So uh, trust that we're we're going, going in the right place. So that is a combined 7.64 for this episode, which is a 0.01 more than the first episode, which I think is very funny. Um, Anything else, gentlemen? No, predictions? Yeah, predictions. You want to get that through? Um, yeah. If if yeah. you and Nick have any predictions for next episode, yeah, the one I had definitely was uh definitely Nancy was going to get caught because dumb teenager shit. Yeah, and then of course the polywogs are just going to keep growing because obviously that's how escalation happens. Yeah, my uh, I really didn't have much of a prediction except for the 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 for dart i just figured that he was you know gonna stir up some some ish as they call it <laughs> sure that's really it that's all i got fair enough Alrighty then so that's it for this week of stranger nerds uh next week's episode i had the show doc here and i think i said here before um we do uh episode four and Oh, you don't have the aim on this one. That's right. Will the wise? Will the wise? Thank you. I... You're welcome. Always need. A, always need a uh, a tag team on that. Sometimes. Um, thank you very much. Uh, don't forget to follow our socials at uh, Stranger Nerds on Instagram, uh, X, and any other socials we have. I think Facebook as well. Don't so, call yep. it that. That's X. I know. It's stop it. Like Twitter. It's Twitter. Twitter. Well, yeah. that's it for this week, and we will see you guys around for next week for episode four. Have a good one.